This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Sky Blues Extra podcast, which is kindly sponsored by the Sky Blue Tavern. Uh, my name is Tom Ward and I'm delighted to be joined this evening by Dean. How Hi Tom, mate? mate. How's it going? Not too bad, not too bad. Not the not the best of weeks ever supporting the Sky Blues, but... At least you've got a smile anyway. on your face. <laughs> just just about, just about. Probably the only COD fan that has. You, you have to laugh, really. I suppose, we're, I suppose we're used to it these days, aren't we, really? It's not a... Unlike Man United fans, you know, we're actually used to uh, to hard times. But it's like you said on Twitter the other day, like supporting a normal club. It'd be boring, wouldn't it? It would be pretty boring. Super yeah. boring. Yeah. We, lo- just, we love the drama, don't yeah, we? Yeah, just, you know, imagine just sitting there waiting for the game on Saturday. No drama. Nah. No one arguing on Twitter. I, yeah. live, for, I live for this. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be strange. We'll also be joined at, at Ross uh, by Ross at some point as well. Um, and we'll be looking back at the defeat in the week to Bristol. Also, the Millwall game at the weekend. We'll try and look ahead to the to the Huddersfield game, although we're not holding out too much hope of that going ahead. So, I imagine we'll probably turn into more of a conversation around, obviously, the current situation with the pitch and, and I guess, give our thoughts, really. I know we haven't really had a, a sort of pod properly since um, since before all of this came out. So, it'd be good to kind of give our, our thoughts on the situation. Um so Dean, let's go back into into Wednesday. We'll, we won't sort of uh, dwell on it for too long, but um, I suppose if you want to look for some positives out of the situation, obviously debuts handed to uh, to Casey Palmer and also Fabio Tavares as well, and also people chalking up another ground visited for <laughs> yeah, their another home ground. Yeah, for their that's five home grounds I count in my lifetime. It's got to be uh, a record, hasn't it? There can't be any other club who's done that. No, I was, I was I was trying to work it out the other day. I think Brighton maybe went to three, but that's. That was due That's to the, to stadiums being built, etc. But Wimbledon, yeah, maybe. Who knows? It's they, a question for Jim Brown, isn't it? Yeah. Or all, all you stat fans out there, someone work it out <laughs> and let us know. But yeah, in regards to you know the team, I, you said talk about the the debuts, but it was just 
a kind of one to forget for everybody, really. Mm. Like it's not going to be one that we should look back on with obviously with any fondness anyway, but it, it doesn't dictate what's going to happen this year, that game. Like no. it, we know how Mark Robbins approaches cup games, especially the Carabao Cup. We lost to Northampton last year. If you look through the years, we've lost to some absolute ropey teams over the years. So I don't take too much out, out of um, what happened on, on Wednesday night. And it's, it's difficult. When you change a whole team, it's always going to be difficult for debutants to, to get a foothold in that game because there's no cohesion anyway, natural cohesion between the players and the team. And when you have a debutant, you're looking for him to sort of implement into a pretty much a full starting you know, not start 11 because he wouldn't be played otherwise, but a starting team, you know, at least a solid foundation to that team. So I don't take too much out of Wednesday for them. Yeah, I was going to say on that point, because, yeah, people obviously, it really raised the question around squad depth, didn't it? That's that's where that sort of, that came from and kicked off that conversation. And like you say, when you've got a completely different 11, it's a little bit harsh to say that because there are 11 players that will fill in where needed in the right positions, but aren't ever really going to play. You know, hopefully we're not going to have a situation where we have to play that entire eleven in the league because that's not the, that's not always the point of your of your second string, is it? That's not the point of the, having a squad. Your squad is there to one or two players to come in, like I just said, into the foundation that's already there. Now look at the players who wasn't used in that Millwall game off the bench, and that tells you everything. Sorry, not the Millwall game, the the Bristol game. That tells you everything you need to know in the thinking. Hamer, Jokeres, Moore, Godden, Sheaf. Hyam was out of the squad completely. O'Hare's injured. Seven players there that walk into the team. Walk into the team. Along with, you know, people that were playing anyway, like Fads and Dabo. So, it's just, it's a massive overreaction to, for everybody. You know, these players are going to fit into the original foundation of the team. They're not going to play all 11 at once in a league yeah. game. So, yeah, I think the whole thing's just been blown way out of proportion in regards to the squad. Yeah. Massively. Yeah, I mean, we're, you know, there's there's obviously various issues going on, but, you know, like the O'Hare thing, for example, is, is just, it's just what happens. You're going to get injuries throughout the season, aren't you? It's unlucky timing. Obviously, Hamer being out now for a couple, one or two games, I'm not sure exactly what that's going to be. Um, but, but 11 players don't come people. in for those yeah. players, do they? It's just one yeah. player comes in or two yeah. or three at shouldn't, max. Shouldn't affect the way we play in, no, in the whole. not so. at all. And you might have to make some slight adjustments, but we're not we're not changing the whole team. So, yeah, I just I just just forget about Wednesday night if, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah, it was poor. Obviously, three 0 down after half an hour. Yeah, some really poor defending, some really poor goalkeeping from Ben Wilson as well, wasn't it? That second goal, like the ball is going in the middle of the mid- middle of the box, and he's off towards the corner flag. Like, what are you doing? Anything like, to do with it being his 30th birthday the day before? Maybe. Think? A few Jaeger bombs on the coach on the I way mean, as well, maybe. You know. <laughs> but yeah, awful. I mean, they're all sloppy goals. They could all be avoided. Um, yeah. And, it's and you know, it's probably down to a lack of cohesion and communication between players that don't normally play together. You yeah. know, Callum Doyle was thrown in. A lot to ask for an 18-year-old to, you know, be chucked in at, you know, a decent level. Bristol brought, you know, a decent team to, to that game. They were taking it seriously, so yeah, it just it was just an off night, and you know the situation regarding travelling to Burton and you know not playing at home that doesn't help. It goes into the players' minds, of course it does. So yeah, it was just a bit of a sorry sorry night, really. Yeah, one hundred percent. I guess 
one of the only th- you know, positives you can take out of it was the uh, the finish from Jamie Allen. Uh, probably the probably the best thing that happened all game. Um, a really good a really good finish from him. Yeah, I think Jamie Allen had a decent game overall. You know, you're not going to. A lot of people talk about we had no control in the middle part, but you're not going to get that with um, Allen and, and Eccles. Yeah, you know, they. they they're not really the controlling type, like a Hamer, like a Sheaf, like a uh, Liam Kelly. It's, yeah. it's, they're not that type of player. So I think we were always going to get over in midfield. But when we did have possession, I thought Alan used it intelligently during the night. And you know, to be honest, I thought Palmer had a decent game. And Adam Romolo as well for me. I thought, you know, he, he, he shone quite a, quite a lot during the evening. It was, again, difficult for him to, to get a foothold in a, in a team that's already 3-0 down after 30 minutes or so. So... Yeah, positives and the the Jamie Allen finish. You know, that's one thing we've said over the years. He needs to show that a bit more, show that finishing capabilities that we know he has, but he just doesn't show it enough. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Does that midfield worry you slightly for our next game, whenever that will be? Because obviously, like you say, with with Hamer out, you know there aren't loads of options are there to come into that into midfield. I am a little concerned. Um, I think we've we've seen Allen and, and Sheaf play together before and it has worked. It might mean that we play one up front and drop another in midfield, a Palmer, for instance, and, and just try and shore that up in the middle of the park a little bit more, get a little bit more control. Um, obviously, that will affect the, the top end of the pitch. But, you know, if that's how we have to approach it, then, that, 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 then that's what we'll do. Yeah. Obviously... A poor, poor night, as you said. Were there any standout performances at all for you? If you had to sort of pick a man of the match, uh, probably just probably Adam Imola, To be honest, I just thought he just looked the best of a really, really sorry bunch. If I'm, if I'm honest, it, it was as I said. I don't want to keep repeating myself. It, just, it was a difficult game for him to come into, but he, he showed glimpses, and that's for me. That's all he needed to do, um, and that's enough to get me excited for the rest of the season yeah. with him at left wing back. Do you see him breaking in soon? I th- I think so. Yeah, I yeah. think I think it'll be it'll be sooner rather than later for him. Uh, although Bidwell had a really good game against Millwall, so yeah. maybe he took the criticism from the podcast to heart that me and Ross absolutely <laughs> laid into him. Um, maybe took it on board and you know performed really really well. So it's going to be difficult for Adam Mola to to break in, but I think going forward he's just got that little bit more quality, uh, which which we're going to need. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we'll move on anyway swiftly from that from that defeat um, and talk about Saturday away at Millwall. Um, obviously, in terms of the lineups, it was pretty similar to, to Sunderland, but obviously we had Dabo coming in for Eccles. Um, is this about what you expected? Yeah, and obviously rung the changes um, as expected because that team was not the t- our first eleven uh, against against Bristol. But yeah, I, I you know I thought the the, t- the team was solid had you know really good spine and they played well against Sunderland I mean we can't we can't we can't forget that we you know a, a bad mistake by Moore which we'll we'll go into again on, in this game but you can't really change that team I thought they did enough against Sunderland to, to warrant a, a starting again apart from from Eccles for, for Dabo yeah yeah just about what we thought it would be um, plus also obviously... away from home if I can just add away from home I'd rather have Jake Bidwell playing yeah. away from home just because you're going to be on the back foot at some point. Um, and I think defensively, he's a little bit better than maybe what we haven't seen Adam Mola in action defensively that much. But from what we gather, he's a he's a better defensive-minded player. Bid, Bidwell will be playing every week then. 
Wow, well, yeah. Every game, every we're game's an away, away game. Yeah, we only play away. Yeah, it gets a bit expensive, but it does. <laughs> well, but look at all the home games we're gonna have at the end of the season. True. Yeah, we could have ten in a row for the running. So that could see. be a good thing. We're doing a who, Rotherham. Wow, who knows? Who knows? But we'll be playing them every like two <laughs> two days at this rate. Yeah. <laughs> then we will need the squad. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but what was really pleasing was we started the game really well, really, mm-hmm. really well. Um, yeah, obviously Vic won a corner early on. Um, and it was Fads that got the final touch as it was glanced across from Godden. Great way to start the game, wasn't it? And get that early goal. Oh, absolutely. I think I think that's what we needed. Just sort of settle us, you know, take away some of the thoughts that might have been off the pitch that might have been embroidered in the in the players' minds, and that we could just focus on this game. And I think there was the perfect start. We were on the front foot from the from the off, and Vic was back to his best, wasn't he? Really running those channels, getting in behind players, some great balls, and you could see that the intent quite early that the ball yeah. was like it was a one-two and then bang channel. That was the way we were going to play, and it worked really, really well. Yeah, absolutely. And we didn't sort of hold up there. We continued to dominate and and, and made it two as well. Thought this was a really, really good bit of play from Bibbo. Like you say, he had a, he had a good game um, and a brilliant finish, Matty Gordon. Yeah, yeah. Vic with a sublime little through ball to, to Bidwell as well. I don't think we can underestimate how perfect that pass was to to, to Jake and Jake with fantastic cross. I yeah, mean, it's a delivery we've wanted for a while, isn't it? We don't see it enough. Yeah, and it's undefendable, Tom. Yeah, you, it's very hard to defend that, especially when like players are running onto not on towards the goal. Um, so yeah, great, great ball, great finish, and the celebration was it the plow? I don't know. Was was it a new type of wheelbarrow? I don't really understand what was going on. Don't know. Don't know what it was. It's a new one in the locker, isn't it? It is. Yeah, talking of new ones in the locker, I think Ross is a. Uh, Making his way into into the podcast. <laughs> Hello, chaps. E- evening, Ross. How, How are you doing? I'm not too bad. Not too bad. How are you doing? We're all good. We're all good. You got away with not talking about Bristol, mate. <laughs> oh, did I? Um, um, it's probably a good thing, you know. I'm I'm done with the Carabao Cup, shall we say? Oh, we're all done with the Carabao Cup because we're out. You got probably had a scroll of notes, haven't you? Oh, what for for Bristol City? Yeah. Oh, I mean. Where do we start? It was just a disaster, wasn't it? So I don't want to go back even more. No, 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 no. We've, I'm we've, we've on. Yeah, good. We're trying to we're trying to suss out what uh, what celebration Godden and Dabo were doing on Saturday. Oh, I think that was. <laughs> I think it was a plow. Was a pl- it a plow? Yeah, a, a plow, a wheelbarrow, wheelbarrow, yeah. the old-fashioned yeah. wheelbarrow, wasn't it? To sort of you know take all that sand and you know that they've laid on top, um, <laughs> on top of the pitch, and you know. But uh, yeah, no, it was good. It was a good celebration. Yeah, maybe the maybe the lawnmower is a bit of a touchy subject. That's why they've changed it. Yeah, yeah, that, probably. But there's, but no what, gra- there's no grass to, to mow at the moment, so we'll need that wheelbarrow for when we bring in the rolls of grass, anyway. Exactly. Are you going to get yourself down there and help out, Ross? Oh yeah, mate. I'm just down the road, mate. I'll, I'll be down there. So um, laying yeah, the lawn. I'll, I'll go down and then I'll go to the Skyby Tavern and get a curry afterwards, probably. Nice. Are you going to be Wardy? You meeting? We'll go. <laughs> I'd be, I'd be well up for it, mate. Anything for a curry? Yeah. I'll just go. I'll just come for the curry, guys. Man, manual labour really isn't my thing. Curry's on Dean, I reckon. Uh, uh, yeah, I agree. I'll watch you. I'll be like the foreman, just standing yeah. there watching. Just you bossing do people all. about. Yeah, that's 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 more my my style. Yeah. But yeah, Ross. We were just talking about the uh, the, the very fast start at Millwall, getting ourselves into a into a two goal lead. It was uh, it was pleasing. Yeah. Um, 
brilliant start and I think it was probably uh was a pleasant surprise I think you know from I guess the the mood that we'd all sort of been sort of put into if you like from the news beforehand so um yeah it was a great great start to the game and yeah to see when I checked the score and, and, and saw it was you know not just the score but how we were playing it sounds like we were having so many chances and could have been more you know and it was uh I sort of wasn't surprised. I sort of I was surprised because of what had happened, you know, the announcement, you know, prior. But actually, we're a good team, and I think you know that team we've got out. Our starting eleven is is very good. So, yeah, and we've done quite well at Millwall the last couple of years. I remember yeah. Yeah, the watch along we did. We yeah we we did well that game uh, last year. We took the lead as well. Obviously, in a one all draw. So, yeah, I wasn't surprised in that sense. And it was good good for Godden to get off the mark and uh, a good goal for Fads as well. So everything was looking so so good at one point. Yeah, it was. It was. What about the reaction that you know that you, you've you've just said we are a good team? The reaction that after this game, it's been ridiculous. Well, well, well the only word I, I, I would I, use. I, I'd made points which I'm, I'm just, I think we're obviously going to talk about this pitch later on. I think I think I just put it down to that. You know, is it? Di- um, is it? Di- do you think it is dictated by the off the pitch? Weapons? I think. I think you know we'll touch on it later more, but I, I think. It's just clouded. It's created, you know, you've got rose-tinted spectacles. I think the whole pitch thing creates this sort of dark grey spectacles. And, and it's hard to then look at stuff in just the way that we want to look at it, which is 2-0 up, you know, poor poor mistake for the goal. And, and that's it. Suddenly our players are rubbish. Everything's mm. to the extreme. Everything we've got, yeah. you know, Panzo's rubbish, you know, now. Uh, Moore's dreadful, you know, bring back Lee Burge. Everything's just to the extreme and I think it's purely down to the stupid stuff that's going off that's that's what I put it down to you know? see I, I get it and I get it that we're incredibly tribal about the whole situation because there's this you know fury against wasps and you know what we've gone through we're all passionate and we're all you know we've got raw emotions about the whole situation but from a football perspective we're two games into a 46 game season you know, I don't need to remind you of the turmoil that Forrest went through for the first 10 games of last exactly. season. And where are they now? So, okay, yes, we do have major issues relating to the pitch. But on the actual playing side of things, I mean, everyone just needs to kind of relax and just enjoy it because we haven't become a bad team overnight because we haven't got a pissing home pitch to play on. No, no. exactly I, right. I think it's the, it's the uncertainty, though, isn't it, Dean? That's, that's the problem. Like... I, I, I'm, as you know, I tend to be quite optimistic as a Cobb fan, always have been. But even now, I'm, you know, it the uncertainty does eat away at you a little bit. And it's when you're not playing your home games and, you know, you want to be down the CBS and feeling it. And, you know, it, it would be different if we were at home, I think, and playing the games. I think it's a very, very unique situation. Like, we will go on to talk about it a bit more later on. But I think it does get into your head a bit. And like Ross says, intensifies other other things, other issues. Yeah, everyone's looking at some something to blame, you know, and any any sort of avenue that anyone can sort of express the frustration. You know, we know there's an overreaction. There's a proportion of fans who overreact to any defeat, you know, last season. But I think I think it's just highlighted, and I think people look at it, and you know, I see people on Twitter saying, "Oh, give me twenty first, I'll take that now." Uh, it's a load of baloney. It's a load of nonsense. I, I have no doubt that you know, if, if it can get sorted, you know as soon as possible, which is, needs to be done. Our team is good enough. I mean, we can't forget we've touched wood. You know, we're halfway through, aug- through August and we've kept our best three players. Who in the right mind, when we did the summer podcast halfway through the summer, who really believed that would be the case? No one. No. 
You know, there's uh, so many positives. We've, our defensive depth, so much better than last year. And it's just because we've not been able to get into a rhythm. That's the problem. I think now we've, we've potentially got two weeks to fester on this defeat, which is the problem when we should be playing tomorrow night. Uh, and I think that's why everyone's just getting so sort of frustrated. Uh, but I think the overreaction towards the players and the club, that I understand people are frustrated, but they're not the ones we need to be directing it at, you know, because at the end of the day, in isolation, if this was last year, we'd be talking about the game and yeah, you'd get the odd person who'd go, oh, you know, what, you know, make a, a sort of a sort of sweeping statement. And we talk about Robin's lack of subs, you know, but, uh, but that would be it. There wouldn't be, there, there seems it's, it's everything's over OTT at the moment. Because of that lack of control, we've got no control over this whole situation. Yes. It's chaotic. <laughs> yeah. Well, let, let's go back to the game for a sec as well. Um, obviously that, that lead we had didn't last for too long, did it? Um, Ross and unfortunately Simon Moore came off his line again two in, two in a row now um, and the exact same result yeah really disappointing um, you know seeing, seeing that goal back obviously I wasn't there at the game but I saw obviously you know Dino in the group <laughs> I was a bit behind saw the message and I thought this doesn't sound good and I checked and then lo and behold we conceded and I, I someone sent me a clip of it and um, yeah really poor like it's uh the one against Sunderland was bad. And again, if he, I said at the time, if he'd stayed on his line, he'd literally just catch it because it was a terrible header. And then this one, it's like he's decided, no matter where this ball goes, I'm running out to get it because it, it's dropping on like, the edge of the box. I mean, he, he has to cover, come so far. And it's so disappointing. And, and just the nature of that goal, you know, they could have scored like a wonder goal or whatever. And I'd have still believed. But the moment that was the way we conceded, I just thought, I know exactly what's going to happen here. Do you know what I mean? The script's written that we're going to throw this away because it, it, it's almost the, of course, it's the goal that we, the type of goal we have to concede with everything going on. This like, where we, I mean, we never get these goals. How many times did I say it last year? We never get these gift wrap goals. We never no, score we a goal when we go. It, don't we? we have to work hard for it. And yeah, yeah. we've got a goalie charging out 18 yards, gets nowhere near it. They do it. Another rubbish header, which he'd be able to literally have a cup of tea and catch with one hand. And it, and it goes in because he's not in the goal. It's so frustrating. So frustrating. It looked like he'd been like watching way too much of the Commonwealth Games volleyball and just come out and started yeah. to absolutely die for something. It was but, so far out though, wasn't it? Yeah, like it was nearly our halfway line, Tom. Yeah. He was going for an adventure. I love oh, that. Right. I love that meme. Um, but yeah, like <laughs> I, I think it might be down to a little bit that the t- that there was confidence just oozing through the team, and I think Moore was just raging to get involved because he hadn't been tested at any point during that first yeah, period and I think he wanted to show his dominance and he's just a rush of blood to the head yeah, he's got absolutely stupid that, yeah and I'll be honest he's he's cost us two games with those those mistakes because it changes the flow of the game massively they think they've got a, a way back into the game and they did through you know our own error not something that they've done really well yeah They've been gifted it and they've got back into the game and they just pushed on and on from that point. And yeah, like Ross the... said, you knew it was going to happen. Yeah, it's the classic, isn't it? Like 2-0 is a dangerous scoreline. And when the, when they get one back, especially when you're in the, the away team, especially somewhere like Millwall as well, it's probably the worst thing that can happen before half-time is the score to be 2-1 and then to be on the charge back. Um, we, did have a, we did have a bit of a spell towards the end of the half, but... Um, obviously went in 2-1 behind. You'd probably say we deserve to go in ahead, Dean, you know, on the balance of the play. I thought we had a really good yeah. first half. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, it's just a shame we haven't 
asserted more dominance and you know taken the chances that we we created because there was a couple of maybe half chances that could have you know turned into full chances and that was the frustrating part and I think Millwall are going in at two one going my God how are we still in this game mm. and yeah. that like you just said it changed that's a dangerous scoreline to go in at half time and the crowd were were lifted by that goal it got a little bit aggro and you know we knew what was going to happen second half right yeah yeah exactly um we started the second half well though i thought ross um jock had a couple of shots stopped uh, um obviously it was millwall who got that that crucial goal we, you know we knew that that next goal would be really really important um having watched this one back this one's just really really disappointing um just their player sort of getting through two of our players i couldn't figure i think it was alan and hyam i couldn't it was definitely Alan. I couldn't figure out who the other one. I think it was Hyam. Yeah, they both leaned in either side, didn't they? Yeah. And he just skipped through. through the middle. Yeah, skipped through. And to be fair, really good shot. Obviously comes off the post, but the defence was just static. Bidwell was absolutely static. And it's it's just so easy for, for their player to get in and score. Um, frustrating. Very frustrating. Yeah, incredibly frustrating. and But just so predictable. And again, another goal and a type of goal that we... You just don't see us score, you know. Like we have a shot, hits the post, and it's you know the defenders there first clears it, and 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 that's the rest is history sort of thing. So it's just so frustrating. Quite early on in the second half as well, um, you know. And at that point, you're thinking, you know, it, it, it was only going to go one way sort of thing. But we you know, we did actually sort of offensively. I thought we, we actually caused problems, you know, when we were playing well. But I don't know when you shoot yourself in the foot in the first half. And then you have, you know, you could argue, you know, poor defender, but also a bit of bad luck in terms of, you know, it hits the post. It could could go post and out or wherever. And it happens to fall straight back to a middle player. But that just compounds the mistake from the first half, you know, because at that point it should be 2-0. We're talking about, you know, 100% we deserve to go in at halftime ahead. But you sort of feel like you've just, you almost feel a bit deflated that you're only winning 2-1, you know, when, when we should have been 2-0 up. And then I think that changes your, your your mindset because at two 0 Millwall had it all to do, and and instead two one we're sort of a bit nervous. Do we do we push get that third or, and then suddenly you you two two two, and then you're just thinking, well, where do we go from here? You know, and the momentum just has completely swung, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Although we did have a good spell after their goal, we re really put them under. Um, there was that fad set effort that got tipped over the bar. Um, Panzo header also hit the bar. Um, we had a handball to sh shout within all of that as well, Dean. So we did sort of have a go after that and had probably our best part of the game, but couldn't get ahead back ahead. Yeah, and that's the frustrating part. Why does it take it to go to 2-2 for us to start going, let's get a grip here and, and start again? There's no doubt about it that we were the better team that whole game, but there was just periods of time. We went through it last year. There was like these 10-minute, 15-minute periods where we just let teams creep back into it, and we don't, we shouldn't be doing that. I think we're yeah. we're too good to be doing that, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we really have shot ourselves in the foot with Hamer, Hamer sending off not long after that. Um, second yellow card, Ross, and I mean, people around me were were saying it wasn't a yellow, but for me, no. I was cynical. Yeah, too watching it, watching too it many back, beers. I mean, if they said that, yeah. Tom. Jesus. Yeah, well, that, that definitely was the case with a few people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a yellow, yeah, it was a yellow all day. I mean, it's uh, yeah. I mean, I think I don't know. I've not heard you know Robbins or anyone so, say <clears throat> say otherwise. So yeah, really disappointing. 
clearly when I when I met him last week, you know, I told him, you know, how how <laughs> much of a Viking he looked like. I, I thought I didn't realize he was then going to just just think actually, yeah, I've got really big biceps, and then try and knock everybody out of the way. So, you know, I, I, it's all my fault really. But um, I, I think it's because he didn't win Hook a Duck, and he was just absolutely fuming. Um, so took took it on, and here is Millwall player. But uh, but no, look, really disappointing. And again, that just com- <laughs> again, yeah, we make a mistake. And then we're, you know, a bit poor defending and then sending off. It was just almost like everything, you know, yeah. it was, it was like in the first 35 minutes, we didn't read the script of this is how today needs to go because we've just had this really bad news. We have to have a really bad performance. And then we were great, you know, took the lead. And then suddenly it was like, oh yes, now, now everything needs to fall apart. So really frustrating. And again, you know, as you know, he, he'd come out on Instagram, which I don't think he needs to do. I always think he's just a bit, you know, like, you know, he, he's won us games so many, more often than he has sort of cost us. Do you know what I mean? So um, I don't think he needed to come out and sort of apologize like he did. Um, yeah, it's interesting that, isn't it? A few people mentioned, put, picked up on that, sort of that him doing it. And obviously Eccles did it after the Sunderland game as well. I don't know if, if that was just off their own backs. They've done that or the club were t- um, telling them to. It's, you don't see it that often, do you really? Not really, not really. Not from, you know, we, we yeah, not from our, our squad at all from the last few years. I mean, the only, only people I want to hear an apology from is, is is wasps, and that's all I want to hear. I don't. He I, can't I don't wait, need... can he? He just can't wait. I can't to wait. Tear no, into but, them. But no, I am. Um, yeah, it's gonna destroy them. But uh, no, I, honestly, yeah, I don't think the apologies are necessary. Look, I think the players know. We know the players are in tune with the supporters. They're more yeah. in tune with us than they've ever been. So yeah, look, I get the gesture. It's a nice gesture. It doesn't you know make, make me feel think any more or any less. Do you know what I mean? Of, of yeah, of course. Players. So. Look, fair play to him. He'll be back. We'll miss him for a game. Um, is it? Is it just one game? Because I t- saw two yellow. Yeah, yeah. Two yellow yeah. is one game. Yeah, it's yeah. one game. It's one game. Yeah, because people are saying games. I mean, I suppose they're probably saying games as in over the season he's probably going to miss probably more than one. But but is it is it the next official game in the calendar or the next game we actually play? <laughs> True. Because yeah. could, we could try and manipulate it so we get, lose him at you know against someone crap but you know there's not many crap teams but uh, is there a is there a, a shout here that Hamer's discipline is becoming a concern yeah i'd say so i mean I'd, I'd say it's even part of the reason why he's not attracted like serious interest over the summer um or his value's not higher i don't know what you think ross but we're not talking about I, a young guy think, here as well are we no no he should be you know a lot, lot wiser than than he is. And the first yellow, I don't know how he gets that. That's his first tackle. Okay, it's a little bit cynical the first yellow, but he a few Millwall players got away with a few fouls in that first half. That could have been a yellow too. So if you're giving Gus one, they've got to be given one. But the second yellow is just stupidity, absolutely yeah, is... mindless stupidity. And I can count fifteen times over the period of he's been with us maybe that he's the stupid the stupid stuff has cost him yellow cards and red cards and that's if you, I'm just I'm just sick of it if I'm honest I'm absolutely sick of it yeah it's it's, it's frustrating I, I agree I think you know obviously clearly Mark Robbins was frustrated you know he was frustrated and and it you know it does cost us in terms of you know because we want he's one of our best players we want him on the pitch um and obviously when he's Mounting up these yellow cards, he missed a fair few games last year through it. The thing I always think is when I see teams against us and their midfielders, 
and they do cynical fouls. They're they're never like obviously cynical. Yeah, they're I mean? clever though. They're, 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 clever. They're, they're disguised cynical and they rotate it. So they never seem to get booked for ages. And they've, they've always stopped our attacks. With Hamer, it's like, okay, so you know he's going to get a yellow card. But it's like his first tackle, it's almost like so obvious. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it, it's not done in a clever way. So then it's so obvious that the ref has no choice. But, but does he think card. like he's going to get away with that? Is that um, his mindset? He thinks he's like, if I do a stupid tackle that you know everyone sees as a stupid tackle and it's my first one am i going to get away away with it it just needs to be a bit more streetwise there's got to be street more streetwise i think as a midfield and as a squad you know because you don't see any many of our other players really i mean consistently getting that amount of yellow cards there needs to be some sort of there needs to be better awareness you know when he's on a yellow card he needs to think i, I can't do this sort of thing it's where he's where he's done it on the pitch as well i mean We'd, we'd have had so much time. I mean, yeah, they were on the break, but we we didn't have every player forward, did we? We would have had plenty of cover and we were quick enough as well. I mean, he wasn't, their player wasn't, you know, it wasn't like he was throwing goal, was it? No. He was in his own, he was in their own half. Yeah, we had three, three men covering yeah. um, and he was on, like, the ball was going towards the side of the pitch. It was a good chance it was probably going out of play. You've got, probably, to, yeah. you've got, you've got to let the play go on at that point and see what happens because it's, it's, more likely to not end up in a goal than, than be a goal, isn't it? In that in that position. Uh, but and also, you know, think ask yourself a question. Let's say they did break and score, but we he doesn't make the foul. You know, I, I'm more confident that we might be able to get back in the game with 11 men yeah. than if we're two two and then suddenly gone down to 10 men. Like it, it, it sort of, yeah, it's like you say the position on the pitch. And oh, it did make me laugh though. Like you know, it's he knows it's yellow when he like rolled around on the floor as well. Do you know what I mean? Like that sort of disguised thing of like, oh, I think I've made, crap, I've made a mistake here. Do you know what Has I mean? any I player ever got away with that? Castanier definitely did <laughs> get away with that against Portsmouth when he rolled around on the floor <laughs> in his face. And then, he, oh dear. But yeah, look, the discipline does need to be sorted out because he's already going to be suspended for his first game. <laughs> and we've only, you know, we've only, we've only played two games. Um, so yeah, it and it obviously midfield, it, we're a bit light, I think. Um, yeah. In terms of quality. Uh, and depth so it'll be interesting to see what we do yeah they obviously got their winner um a ball into the box which we didn't deal with particularly well um i thought savile did pretty well to get his shot away but again we just sort of weren't really quick enough to the danger were we at all dean the partner of the sea tom to be honest panzo doesn't come out I, to, to be fair people were moaning about bidwell's header i think he makes a really good header and it's then for the second player to come and you know clear up the situation but Panzer doesn't come to the ball quick enough. And you can see when he scored, when they score, Fads is shouting, guys, you've got to push out. You've got to get there quicker. Um, and that was, yeah, it was just frustrating. But it was coming. You could just feel the anticipation in that ground that they were going to score at some point. And when they got an opportunity, they took it. And yeah, very, very frustrating. And Ross, the topic you've probably been waiting to talk about, the, the subs or the lack of subs... Um, obviously, we waited till the 88th minute to make any changes. Um, what, did you, what did you make of that? Um, so obviously, because of the work I was doing at different times, I missed certain chunks of the the game. So it was only really after that I, when I sort of sat down and saw everything you know, in terms of chronological events, etc., that I realised that we'd got man sent off and gone behind before a substitute was made. Now, me, I remember us three and. I did podcasts with you, Wardy and Dino. We we spoke last year, especially around the back end, about these subs. You know, and I love Mark Robbins. He's, you know, 
the, the king, but his the the subs and then what he says after the game just never like matches up to me. Like I would be, you know, so we've not played in we we didn't play that extra game. Obviously, you know, most of the first team, seven players didn't play against Bristol, so they'd had like a two week gap. Now, flip it if that was us playing a team who'd had two week gap, the the, the reason would be well they're going to be sharper because they're that you know they've played you know less game. And then he's obviously it was very hot. And then he sort of says, we're getting tired. But we've got five subs, you know, and it's like, if we're tired, why not change it? And Hamer's on the yellow card. Now, I agree that we can't always have to take Hamer off when he's on a yellow. He needs to have some self-discipline. Otherwise, if, if that's just a prerequisite that Hamer gets a yellow, we have to sub him. Then that does, you know, cost us a bit in terms of other changes. But the fact that we have five that we can make, we had made zero, you sort of go, well, why not take him off anyway? It's not like we were making other subs. And then we go behind and then it's just, it's always reactive. I remember Medina, you said this last year. It's never like, I don't get why we're not proactive in things. Like, you know, the, the, you, like you say, the momentum was going one way and one way only. Why don't we try and wrestle that back with changes? I thought these signings this year were a smaller squad with more depth. And we've got players there. Casey Palmer, just not brought on, you know, like, and it sort of, I end up scratching my head, and then when I hear that the players are getting tired towards the end, I just think, well, we've got subs there to make. So then, why our journalists don't ask the question of why you don't make, why no subs were made? Like, like you know, we were speculating, weren't we, in our group chat of, is it because he doesn't rate the people on the bench, or what did he think? You know, what he clearly was more concerned about making subs than than keeping the status quo. I don't know what you think. Is it's frustrating though? And it was thirty degrees. The players had run through a brick wall. We were without Hamer from the 67th minute or something like that. You know, it's tiring. You you chase you're chasing around that pitch once once you're down to down to ten men. And he decided not to have Waghorn and Michael Rose, two of his most experienced players, not on the bench. So it's just beggar's belief, to be honest. I don't I don't understand it at all. Especially with the heat and the way the game had panned out. It was just such an odd and peculiar thing not to make at least one sub before we went 3-2 down. Hmm. I just feel like, I feel like we were playing quite well and he trusted, like, I think it's kind of what you were saying, Ross, like, I feel like he, he trusted the players on the pitch and even like, like Vic looked absolutely shattered. Like he was visibly so tired, but even then he was so effective. He was making such, like he was doing so, so many good things and he thought, a tired Vic is actually better than, well, I don't know who you'd have brought on in place of him. But I also think when Vic was making those chances, we had little amount of players in, in and around the box for support for him. Yeah. So at that point, you go, okay, well, it's potentially not working. Let's try and get out of here with a draw and then utilise yeah. utilize the subs effectively to, to try and you know manage that game to a 2-2. You just sometimes you just gotta, you know, say that's it. We're we're not gonna get a really golden opportunity here. Let's just take what we've got. Yeah, yeah take it. I remember what you said to me before the game. You know, take a point and, uh, like I say, you know, a win would have been great for the, everyone's mood. And I'd have took a point as well. I, I think that the thing that sort of startles me a little bit is, and I know it's really early. So Allen, to me, is the closest midfielder we've got to Hamer in terms of, you know, that energy to get around the pitch. So Allen's obviously, again, was starting as uh, Cam. So Hamer's on the other card. You're thinking, well, the logical thing would be then to move Allen back into centre mid 
and bring on an out-and-out Cam and Casey Palmer. But that doesn't happen. So then I'm here going, well, he's had the same preseason as everybody else. You know, players go away on holiday. They let, let themselves go a bit. Then they come back to train. and But then we're told that it's going to be months. Uh, he, 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 you know, he's got to catch up months. And I, I, I don't know, I start... I, you know, saw Casey Palmer against Warsaw preseason. I saw some really exciting things, and I want him to be really good. I want him to play. I, otherwise, I just think, you know, this guy's not cheap. Like, what, what are we doing? You know, I find it that that baffles me, sort of, um, because I'm just thinking, you know, sign this guy three year deal, and I know we've only played two games, but you know, it was like I don't know. I don't know what you think to it. It just it, it, the problem is we've got square pegs round holes so we're playing Allen out of position and he's a center central midfield option he doesn't want to bring on our actual cam so then it that restricts us even further i, I don't get it well it, you, it's square pegs round holes with this formation well, just yeah. change it well true <laughs> you, yeah true just change it and utilize the squad that you have at your disposal to the best and that if that's with a flat, a flat back four then we do that and get more control in the middle of the park. It's just, we changed, we, we changed the system against Sunderland to counter them. Why didn't we do it in this game? But, but all those players, it, I agree, and it worked against Sunderland. But if you actually look at the personnel, they are all out playing out of position. Tavares on the right wing, Vic on the left. I mean, you, we'd have been better off keeping someone like Jody Jones if we were to have that plan B on the wing, who's a natural winger. Do you know what I mean? It, like, We've got all these defensive options now, like loads, and we, I feel like we could play a, a four or a five easy. And then you or get to the six. top end, or a six or a seven. You get to the top end of the pitch, and we've got all these people who just want to be in the middle. You know, no actual, you know, Tavares did well against Sunderland on the right, and I think he can play then. Vic's very good cutting in from the left, but I don't know. It, it sort of baffles me a bit. I don't know what. And the Palmer thing, it's frustrating because I just want him to play. I think, how is he going to get any more match sharp if yeah. he's not playing? That's I think that I'm was thinking. a great game for him to come into, to be honest. Mm. Even like at 60 minutes before Hamer had been sub, um, b- before Hamer had been sent off, I'd have took Hamer off, dropped down and back and put Palmer in. Well, he needs to have a chance, doesn't he? Like If he, if he plays and he's well off it, then fair enough. Robbins is right. But like Ross says, how is he going to get there if he's not playing? Not just suddenly going to be match fit, is he? He showed glimpses in preseason. He showed glimpses against Bristol City, and we lost the game four-one. What you know? He's got to why, be given why, an opportunity. And, what, and yeah, and and why is he on the bench then? Do you know what I mean? I don't want people making up the numbers. If he's well off the pace, you know, like then why is he here? Why 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 is he even? Yeah, why why is there? You know, and and this is not us or me like writing him off. I think. There's a real player in there. Yeah, hundred percent. It's just I find it. I, I want him to play. It's a frustration of we've got a second choice cam. O'Hare's injured, so we've got another cam option. Why isn't he not playing? What, I, I I find that's the, I don't get it. I, I, that, you know, and I, like I say, I saw glimpses, and even if it's half an hour, you know, like you say, thirty degree heat, bring him on half an hour. Go out there, quality on the ball. Try and get thread some. You might thread a good pass in or whatever it might be. And it just feels like, but I get what you're saying, Wardy. Like when we're playing well, I think Robbins will often stick rather than twist. If we're playing like a seven, seven point five out of ten, often it's he's more worried about it going wrong and going bust than actually getting hitting that twenty-one, you know, and hitting that blackjack and actually making the difference. So often we won't make these subs, and lo and behold, we got more and more tired. We got a man sent off, 
And then yeah, they make changes, freshen things up, fresh impetus, and, and we lose the game. Hell of a rant there. Hell of a yeah, rant. Yeah, yeah. Not much to say about that, really. Clip that up. <laughs> it's probably the whole episode. Yeah, no, it's it's disappointing when you're, you know, when you're 2 0 up and you lose and you lose three two. It's always disappointing. Ross, there were some good performances from the Sky Blues. Who was your who was your pick? Um so after he listened to our podcast following the Sunderland game, uh Jake Bidwell, man of the match, I think uh, you know, as Dean put, Jake Bidwell woke up feeling dangerous and uh yeah. <laughs> And I think, no, he was very good. Great ball in. That's two assists in two games now, including obviously the one against Bristol. I like the the position, the the, the run, you know, like like we said, sometimes he'll make the right run, won't receive the ball. This time he did. Great ball in. So that's great to start getting these assists. That's what we want from our wingbacks. Defensively, uh, good as well. So, yeah, Jay Bidwell, I think, was the best player for us. Dean? Yeah, ab- absolutely. I think 37 touches in the opposition half for Jake Bidwell sells you everything you need to know. And he needs to perform that level going forward offensively. Yeah. Um, if he wants to stay in the team, he's got pressure now from Adaramola, which is good. That might be the you know the reason why he's gonna his performances are gonna go up and up. So I think he had a really good game. Sheaf had a good game too. Um, I thought he had a real good control of the, of the midfield and. Just to, to pick up Matty Godden and Karma Fadzi made the team of the week as well in a losing team, which is um, yeah. which is good. And Vic, and it just goes to show when Vic doesn't even get a mention because I thought he was brilliant again. Yeah, and yeah. you had Millwall fans on Twitter saying I don't usually praise opposition because they don't because they're Millwall, but and saying how good he was. So you know, it it just goes to show we lost the game, but there were a lot of really good performances in the team. You're listening to Sky Blues Extra. We'll move on now anyway and talk about the, the ongoing pitch debacle. Look at Ross's hopefully... little face light up there. Look, he's, <laughs> his hands, he's rubbing his hands. Yeah, um, obviously we're recording this on Monday. So, you know, as people listen throughout the week, God knows what, what will, have, will have happened or come out since. But Ross, what are your, what are your thoughts at the very moment on the, on the situation? Well, very much the same as everybody else in terms of one of just... Sheer sort of frustration, uh, anger, but also sort of just like sadness. I just think the whole thing is just sad, you know. Like I was thinking about this today, actually, and it, I feel actually a bit better having spoke about the Millwall game or focusing on football because even after the game, I just feel so deflated with it all. Like to the point where I wasn't actually that that bothered do you know what I mean like some people have gone the other way to the extreme I, uh, and sort of you know overly critical of, of on the pitch stuff I, I just felt a bit sort of numb to it because we fought for years and years and years to try and get back to the stadium right and we had these legal rows and it looked like you know these two organizations which we just thought just get your head together and sort it out looked like it was never going to happen and then they did and then we signed a 10-year thing. And then last year was brilliant. We loved it. This season is the most excited I've been for a coverage season in my lifetime. Record season ticket sales, unbelievable kits, keeping in touch with our best players, you know, putting our money where our mouth is in terms of rejecting bids, showing actually we mean business, adding players in, good promising young players, etc. Good, great opening tie against Sunderland away. Loads of things to be positive about. And then suddenly we're just sort of 
absolutely shafted. And we've got a 10-year deal to play at the stadium. And I think this is in a way worse than what's happened in the past because we can play at the stadium. We've got a deal, but we can't play because we haven't got a pitch. And it's not even about that the pitch is <laughs> it's not safe. So, I mean, like the pitch could be an absolute shambles, but it's safe. This is like the bottom of the barrel. And I've sort of gone around with it thinking, this, I mean, this is the worst time it could happen because this is the most condensed season we're probably ever going to have with the World Cup. And now it's going to be even more condensed than it already is. I think the problem is, like Dino alluded to earlier, it's been, it's been a chaotic start. We can't, it's like, well, I say start, start, stop. It's just, we don't know if we're coming or going. We don't know what's going on. You listen to Dave Body's interview, it makes grim listening. Um, you know, there feels like there's a lot of people sitting on their hands at the moment and silence. And for us as fans, it's just incredibly frustrating because we all bought season tickets or whatever. I'm, I want to go. There should be a game tomorrow night. I want to be. I want to go up there and get what I'm paying for. And I know it's not the club's fault. And Wasp has absolutely done us dirty. And the problem is they've got us over a barrel. Do you know what I mean? Because like, we want to play. We've got 13,500 season tickets. You know, this is our home, the stadium you know, that was built for us, blah, blah, blah. And we can't play there because we haven't got a pitch fit for purpose. And I've been going in my head round and round and round thinking, what is the solution? Like, how do we actually move forward? And me and Dino were talking about this on the weekend of, you know, what are the consequences? I mean, stuff, something needs to happen now. And I think ultimately, if we want to play and, and you know, you've seen analogies and uh, sort of um, parallels drawn in terms of you were renting a house, blah, 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 you know, and you went away, came back, it was trashed. And of course, you wouldn't expect as the tenant to be the one to have to fix the shower or whatever's broke. But unfortunately, we've got these landlords who just neglect, really. And I don't know, We I think we just need to pay for this pitch, uh, you know, and use it in some sort of sense of negotiation with them moving forward of whatever. I, I mean, otherwise, I don't know what happens. I, I really don't know what happens. But just, I don't know. I, I just find it draining, you know, because I feel like... I thought that was the end of everything last year, you know, 10 years, we've got 2031. I can, we've got a home. It's not like we've got a two year deal. And in two years, we're going to start worrying about, are we going to have a home to play at? We have got a home to play at, but we haven't got a pitch to play on. I mean, you couldn't write it, but that's, that, that's my thoughts. It's just frustrating. And yeah. it's killed a lot of my, uh, killed a lot of my uh, excitement for the season. And, and that's not because of the Coventry city, but just everything I was feeling for it. It feels like it's just been sort of sapped away. Thanks for listening to the Sky Blues Extra podcast. That's <laughs> been Ross Cooper. Good night. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I get how you feel. Yeah, it's like you say, it has sapped a lot of that excitement away. It it does feel like, I don't know what you feel, Dean, but like the there is that time pressure now, isn't it? That every day that goes by, nothing's being done. There's no, there's no plan in place. There's no, no. it's not like someone said, right, on Thursday, a new pitch is being relayed and it's going to take four weeks. There's just no plan and the longer it goes on it's like how many games are going to get called off and what's that going to mean for us you know it could have an impact yeah massively we're at we're at this kind of impasse now and at the stage where somebody just needs to grab hold of the situation by the scruff of the neck and rectify it if that means getting in there and laying a pitch ourselves let's just go and bloody do it if it's just there's just so many perpetrations that can happen now like do do we have to go ground share? But is that an option because fixtures have already been made? Personally, I, I can see us going to play behind closed doors somewhere at, as a home pitch. 
a, like a non-league ground, a borough, for instance, and we just play home pitches there, uh, home matches there, behind closed doors, until the situation is rectified. I was thinking of I spoke to Ross of the week. I was thinking like maybe we'd ground share with Birmingham, but now thinking about the situation with the fixture list already being put in place, I don't think that's even an option anywhere that we play yeah. another championship club or League One or League Two club. We got away with the one with Burton because things just worked out. Burton were, were not playing. And I think Derby were away that night. Were they all, all not playing in the cup? I can't I can't really remember. So the policing situation was absolutely fine. But you're going to be looking for those things to happen and the you know the stars to align every week if we want to go go that way. And yeah. we can't do that. We can't go by a week-by-week week basis. Now, I said a couple of weeks ago, let's lay the pitch, give it six weeks to bed in, and we'll just go play somewhere else in that six weeks. But we're only 10 days now behind. We're behind the eight ball in the whole situation. And like Ross said, the main issue is with the Wasp. But I, I personally feel like there's been errors on both sides of the fence too. Yeah. Um, and it's it's just very, very frustrating. We're now in this public spat statements counter statements people going back on agreements it's just as a fan it's just massively frustrating because like ross said after all the highs of the last few years them great vibes between the club the players the fans this saga is just utterly deflating yeah it should be the most exciting part of the season shouldn't it and it's 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 frustrating it's yeah it's... and the lack of communication tom like yeah. what is going on how, why are they releasing a statement on the Saturday morning of a yeah. game? Yeah, I wasn't impressed by that at all. That's a joke. Don't well, tell me they didn't know that game was being postponed well, two or three days before. Because if the EFL's agriculture team were in there on Thursday, they would have told on Thursday evening yeah. that pitch is not suitable. They'd been going around the pitch with them on Thursday and saying, you know, this you can't play here. Well, they did. I mean, Body said, came out and said, you know, there was no way. That there's no way that Tuesday's game was able to go ahead. So why not tell us on Thursday night? Doesn't take or two Friday? days to, re- release, to postpone and release a pissing statement. And I, under, to me, the only con- the concerning thing with it all is I was listening to Body, and I, I like Body, and he's coming for some I think unfair criticism. I think so much of he's done, you know, in this sort of Robin's era has been, has been really good, but there does feel like, like you said, Dino, someone's got to take responsibility. And ultimately, look, the problem is Wasps don't have a game, right, until like mid-September their season starts. So they're in no rush, do you know what I mean, to do anything. We're the ones who need a pitch to play on. We're the ones who, and look, it is a big expense, you know, and, and of course Wasps could be the ones who are bloody funding it or, or at least contributing. But if they're saying no to that, then unfortunately, I, I don't see any other option. Then we have to, to, to do you know, take matters in our, into our hands and, and lay the pitch. I mean, Body was saying we could do it in a week. You know, you, they grow it somewhere else, bring it in, and it's down. So we actually haven't got our next home game is Preston. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Yep. The 31st of August. So we've got half a month. There's time, two and a half weeks, whatever, to sort it out. We could have been doing that 10 days ago, Ross. Well, we could. Yeah, we, well, of course. We, we, I mean, this is, this is the only point that the criticism to the club would be. So we all knew the Commonwealth Games were happening. The club did. Why? It's almost like we waited to that Saturday, you know, of the Rotherham game and then went, oh, crap. Look look at the state of it. To be fair, though, the Commonwealth Games have only just given the keys back to the stadium. 
right yeah this week and the other big factor is that they the club weren't worried because they thought the pitch was going to be relayed which didn't happen yeah that's the other big factor but even so when when was that due to be relayed because if it was going after that last rugby sevens game it still wasn't going to be no in any good shape for that first game body's interview he was saying before but he actually did admit that the club were informed that a new pitch wasn't going to be relayed in June. That Wasps did say to them that. But no then what did the? But then what? When you think about it, what were the club going to do in June? Just start kicking up a massive fuss publicly to Wasps and. Well, well you got would have probably pressure been better on them. Yeah, they, they, they would have. Well, yeah, but hindsight's a wonderful thing. I'm sure they would have kicked off privately, but this could have all been obviously in hindsight would have been better. But they probably thought we don't want to kick up a fuss. And we'll just have to hope the pitch is okay. If not, cross that bridge when we get to it. Well, if they were told in June, why wasn't a contingency plan in place? Yes. Yeah. But you know how difficult wasps are to deal with. No, but don't There's just never any disregard in place, wasps. If we, we can make a contingency plan with another club or, you know, with the yeah. EFL. Fixtures weren't out by then. No. You know, in June. I mean, th- th- I guess that's yeah. the only thing I look at the club and go, so, because Dave Body's come out and said, you know, wasps need to give us an action plan, and I agree. They should. Their statement was two day, three days late. There was just silence, and they come out and instead of apologising and going, "Okay, look, we apologise to the fans. This is the step, but this is what we're going to do about it." Then I'd accept that if they'd gone, "Look, we, this is what we're going to do. A new pitch is going to go down. We apologise that the Rotherham games had to be postponed. Blah blah blah. But it'll be, you know, you'll be back in time for, you know, Wigan, whatever." Then you talk, go, "Okay, there's a plan." Wheels are in motion, but it feels like we're just stalled and no one's doing anything. And they're just like looking at each other, waiting to see who blinks first. Yeah. I, I, the whole thing is so frustrating. And we're the ones who suffer because I'm thinking, well, you know, what, what, what is going on? And I, the only frustration with the club is in June when they were told, when Daybody said we were told by Wasps it wasn't going to be relayed. Why at that point are we not demanding a plan of action then? You Because know, Body even said in his interview to Coventry Warwickshire that the pitch will not even currently if it gets safe won't be able to be played on more than a couple of games because there's nothing underneath the grass it'll just it'll just all tear up anyway so yeah so he was like surely knowing that we must have been going thinking well okay we're in june fixtures aren't out yet we've got a bit of time what's going to happen wasps what's ha- what's what, what's happening you know and, and unfortunately that's not been done i suppose that the club probably didn't realize or you know out of sheer stupidity basically that how bad the pitch was going to be after 66 games of rugby on there yeah and maybe that's why maybe that's why they didn't make a contingency plan but that's just that's just utter stupidity you've had a pitch that's been down for 18 months and then you're going to have intense matches of rugby union 66 games or whatever it was back to back to back no time for that pitch to sort itself out even overnight really so you know it's just stupid to to think that the pitch was going to be in any good shape anyway. So the, there should have been a contingency and, plan in place. And Wasps are just, I mean, uh, everyone get out your little done bingos. I'm done with with Wasps. Um, I don't think it'll be them. too too long no. before they're in the in the bin, mate. If I'm honest, I just think, you know, and you see, you know, you read these things about like obviously legal action. You hear about your body saying they've activated this. You know, dispute claim thing, which goes to a third party panel, or whatever. But I'm thinking that's all good and well, sort of thing. You know, I, I don't know the complexities of that. But what I do know is, you know, like Body did seem to be aware of is, you know, times of the essence. And we need to get this pitch down. And there, the fact that he labeled out that literally what we would do is you get one of these pitches that's already grown and you roll it in, like Tottenham did, sort of thing, down in a week, it's ready. Then that's clearly what we've got to do, then, isn't it? Like that, that's clearly 
the, the solution. They must be that was they must be talking about that now. And and even if the club are deciding to do it themselves, that that must be the conversation. It has to be. But you think like if the pitch is not fit for football, it's definitely not going to be fit for rugby. It's more intense underfoot a game of rugby with your scrums, yeah. etc. So the pitch ain't going to be safe for them to play rugby on in, in 30 days' time. No way. Right. If there's, if there's what's it, how, how much sand did they say, 60 tonnes? Yeah. That's just going to be creeping underneath the grass in that time. And if there's no soil underneath, like Dave says, and it's kind of deflate, the, the pitch is kind of deflating in a way, then no way is that going to pass any safety checks for, for rugby. So they're going to be in the same situation. So what do they do? I think it just goes to show Wasps don't really have a pot to piss in and they can't afford. They can't even afford to to stump up half the cash. And then you talk about compensation and stuff. We're not going to get any compensation out of a a club that's going to be in the bin in about two months' time. It's stupid. Those kind of things just do not help at the situation. At at this current time when the the only solution is that we go in and just do it ourselves. And I, to I do that, that, and to do that, we're going to have to get WASP agreement. So yeah. public spats, litigations, compensation claims do not help the situation one bit. The other problem is, is that ultimately, there are two two things that need to happen. Ultimately, is like an end game. Either we need to become the owners of the leasehold of the CBS, right? That's what my preference, I think everyone's would be. The other thing that, I've never for one second believed ever, but you know, Sisu and that carry on towing the line that, about a new stadium. That's the other thing that, you know, they're the two options. We need to own the CBS or we do need to build a new stadium, which I don't, I never ever think that's going to happen because what, like, why, why would we want that when, you know, but I just think I'm done with wasps. I'm done with the idea of sharing, you know, sharing a pitch. Even if we were like the landlords and they were the tenants and roles were reversed. But I don't know how we get to that point. I feel like their, the relationship had obviously scabbed over. It was like a, a graze and it scabbed over enough that we could agree this deal. And now someone's just like ripped this scab off again, you know, and it feels like we're back to square one. I don't know. I, I don't know where we go from here. I don't know how we ever obtain the ground, you know. Um, I, I, I just and I, I don't see how we ever build a new stadium. So then, what are we going to be like this in? You know, when when's enough enough? You know, when do we actually make progress to actually having? You know, I don't. I, I'm going around in circles because I don't even know like what the answer is. The new situ- the new get the idea of a new stadium out of your head. Well, no, it's not. I, I agree. Well, even when they announced it, I got it out of my head about ten minutes. Oh, ten minutes later. Night. But like I, I, I said to I said to you, Ross, in regards to the ground, it's pretty clear that Ross have got no money, and they can't really afford to lose us. So, is the plan is Sisu's plan to go in for the kill at this point and hope they they crash and burn? You know, still playing with fire in a way because the bondholders and HSBC, who who are basically the financer behind Wasps, um. If they strike some kind of deal, then you know, that might give Wasp a, a, a lifeline, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think we're relying now on the bondholders to really put the pressure on Wasps to, to sell the stadium and then to give them people their money back or at least a decent return on their money. Um, 
I think that's the, that's in regards to the sort of the situation with the with the stadium. But that doesn't mean we automatically get hold of the stadium. We're still going to have no. to pay the price that it will probably yeah. fall in HSBC's hands. We're still going to have to pay the price that they require for the stadium. So, are CC willing to do that? I don't know. The, the price might be overinflated if they if the bondholders put pressure on the seller to get as much money as they can. Then the price might be too much for even us to afford. Yeah. So then we're back at square one again. <clears throat> We've yeah. nowhere to play. Because the agreement that we had in place is with the original leaseholder. It won't yeah. automatically go over to the person who takes on that lease. I suppose you've got to be careful what you wish for, haven't you, in, in these situations? We're in a mess, Tom. It's, an, it's a mess. And for wads, it's not of our own doing. Mm. Yeah. yeah. What, do you, what do you think, Wardy, mate? Like, in terms of what do you... Th- how do you see it all panning out because you know we signed this 10-year agreement and like i say i thought happy days the last thing i need to worry about now is the stadium we've actually got we're playing in our city and lo and behold 12 months later and we're, we're in in a mess where we can't even play in the stadium yeah i think i agree with what what you've both been saying i think it's been mismanaged on both sides um i think we've been a bit naive perhaps in the situation um so i went to a forum that dave body was at uh, a few months ago and he seemed to think you know well, he's very aware that the, obviously the Commonwealth Games was happening, but the pitch should be okay. I d- it didn't feel like there was a plan, a contingency plan in place for if it wasn't going to be okay, which was always a possibility. Um, so yeah, I just think we've been we've been badly let down by wasps. Um, re- really hard to see what's going to happen over the next few weeks. I think we need some kind of certainty, even if like if the pitch isn't going to be right for a month or two, we just need some kind of certainty. It's going to be pretty, you know, it's going to be awful if we have to play somewhere else. But I don't know, would you take that now just to know what what's going on? Because it's just a bit, it's just not great not really knowing. 100% because the longer this goes on, the more games that gets postponed. It, it hampers the season. We need to play the games. Long, t- yeah. long term. And who knows, man, like the EFL hold the cards here because if they start saying, well, it's getting to a point now you've, you've cancelled four or five games you're going to have to start forfeiting some of these games because you're not going to have, there's just no time to play them throughout the season and it affects other clubs as well. It's not just us that it affects it's the other clubs too. So who knows? We might have to start forfeiting games in the long run. Obviously we don't want that to happen and there's no, you know, there's, there's no reason why, you know, potential points deductions could come into place at that point. We just don't know. But there's, there's, this hasn't happened before, I don't think, for any other club. So yeah. there's nothing that's in the, place to the... say. That's the thing with it, isn't it? Like a lot of our issues, we're always, it's always a very unique situation. Oh. There's no like, you know, <laughs> there's no way that a formula of how it goes. No, we're, no. We're, so we're, we're heads in the sand a little bit to what the EFL could potentially throw at us. There's no, mm. there's no doubt about it. We're going to get fined. 100% yeah. we'll get fined for the, the situation we're in for not playing games when they've been allocated. So who long-term, I, I, I worry, and that's the reason why I say, look, can we get an agreement in a in a club that we could just play behind closed doors for the time being? Just, just to, I know it's a sorry situation, but it might be the only way mm. to get the games done. Revenue is a big problem, though, isn't it? It is, but club. you know that's that's the nature of the beast when we don't own our own stadium. We have no control. But but that's why I think surely. Five hundred thousand or four to five hundred thousand. What body said for a new pitch, 
is worth it than having 10 of the 13,500 season ticket holders wanting refunds because they're not going to go and all, all that. Surely paying for this new pitch is a cost worth paying for, for us on the pitch because I think the sooner we can get back to normal, the sooner we can actually, you know, have a good season and enjoy it. But also for the for us, the fans, you know, your body was very clear and I thought he came across well when he said, you know, he feels so sorry for the fans. But I think, like I say, if you weigh it up, paying for whoever, what venue we're going to have to play at, let's say St. Andrews, just as an example, loss of revenue from people wanting refunds, uh, surely it's cheaper to, you know, for this half a million. For totally agree, 100%. But that, then we're down to Wasp the Green to, for us to do that. Well, I can't see why they would say no if we said we'd pay for the whole thing. I can't. I mean, I'd be astounded. I mean, that, that's what they, they'll they happily take that and then butcher it up for the world you know, in the in the World Cup. But, but that's the only way I see it going forward is we just need to go look. And maybe we use it as a thing of, listen, moving forward, this, you know, we'll pay for this pitch now, but next summer, your, do you know what I mean? And, and use it as some sort of... There won't be a next summer for Wasps, Ross. Oh. <laughs> they can't even afford a new kit, mate. Even more reason. Even more, yeah, exactly. Then even more reason to then just do it then. That's 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 why the rumours are, are saying that our CC going in for the kill here. Just remove their revenue stream by us not being there. So, you know, is that is that the tactic? Who there's, knows? There's, so many, there's so many perpetrations out there about things going on. It's just... Actually, you know what? I just feel sorry for the fans, man. Like yeah, we don't yeah. know, we don't know the situation. We like we haven't seen the state of the pitch in the last five, six days. So what progress has been made on the pitch at the moment? Have they just stopped doing it because the EFL said last Thursday there's no way this pitch is going to be in any fit state at any point? So do we just stop, you know, trying to fix it? It's just oh, I'm just I'm done. There you go. I don't think you'd get a done out of me. This early in the season, uh, but I'm going for a Ross special. Yeah, well, hopefully you, you feel like you got that off your chest a little bit and uh, aired some of our some of our thoughts <laughs> around the around the pitch. But fingers crossed, things will get resolved soon, and we can just carry on talking about the games because obviously that's the that's the part we enjoy when it comes to the Sky Blues. Um, but yeah, cheers for joining me, chaps. That's all we've got time for this evening. Um, and listeners, do have a look at what's happening down at the Sky Blue Tavern this week. Have, they've got live sport on every night and they are having the beer and curry deal for $9.99 as well. So do get down there and check that out. Um, get your booths and tables booked. Obviously, good to support them whilst the Sky Blues aren't you know, having home games every week. Um, and as always, if you want to get involved in anything we've talked about this evening, then you can on Twitter and you can use the hashtag SBE Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Sky Blues Extra Podcast. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. 
Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.